In John chapter 5, there's a man who has been crippled for 38 years and he's waited and waited and waited to be healed. And there's a moment that uh, Jesus sees him and Jesus somehow knows that this man has been waiting a long time to be healed. And this man is on his mat, he's crippled, he's unable to walk. And Jesus asks the man, what would, would you like to be well? Which I guess is a good question for a man who actually has been ill, sick, disabled for 38 years. Do you want your life to change? And the man talks about that it's not possible for him because he doesn't, he's never managed to get into the waters. It talks about in John 5 before anybody else. And then Jesus commands him and just says, don't worry about getting into the water. Um, pick up your mat and walk. And so the man, is his body is suddenly strong and um, he can, obviously is healed and he gets up and he picks up his mat and he walks. Now, the story of in John 5 then goes into the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the rest of the chapter is all about how these religious leaders reacted to the miracle of the man being healed. And what I want to say is, it's very easy for us to read the Bible and think, you know what, in this story, I would never be reacting like the religious leaders to such a miracle. Um, we would like to believe that we would be the ones saying, wow, who did this? This is an amazing miracle. We would like to believe that we'd be the worshippers. We would think, I would never act like the Pharisees. The Pharisees' reaction was this. They don't get excited about the miracle. They don't praise God. They don't have a posture of awe. They don't say, who is this amazing person who's healed you? The Pharisees become angry, judgmental and frustrated and annoyed because this man is carrying his mat. All they can see is that this man is carrying his mat on the Sabbath. You know, the Jewish tradition Friday night to Saturday night is the Sabbath. It's the day of rest when you don't work. This man is carrying his mat on the day of rest and it infuriates them because this man is breaking a rule. And so the Pharisees in this story are, they're blind. They don't see stuff, what's going on really. They're judgmental, they're legalistic and they're stupid. And what I want to pr propose in this is, what if we read John 5, not to be condemned or to beat ourselves up, but what if we read John 5 and said, wow, is there any reaction in me that's anything like the Pharisees? Is there anything in me that is legalistic or blind or religious or a little unwilling to come to Jesus. Because the very nature of deception is this, you don't know you're deceived. And that's what this whole story is really all about, is that these guys are deceived and not willing to be led out of their deception. The Pharisees in this story, even though confronted by the most incredible demonstration of power, refused to come to Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone hears what I'm saying and believes what I'm saying, 
I'm going to set them free and I'm going to give them so much life they won't know what to do with it. But these people, Jesus said, didn't want to come to him and receive life. So John 5 is really all about this. Is there anything in our lives that stops us wanting to come to Jesus? That's what it's about. That's what it's unpacking. That's what this miracle has provoked. If Is there anything in me that stops me coming to Jesus in humility, in surrender, that I might receive life? So I want to just talk a few things about the heart of the Pharisee. And again, it's not to beat us up. It's not to cause us to have condemnation. It's that we wouldn't be independent or hardened to the voice of God. The first thing is, Jesus said, so the heart of the Pharisee is this, the heart of the Pharisee is missing the main thing, missing the main thing. The, the heart of the Pharisee is they easily miss the main thing that's going on. So they're not interested in the healing. What they're interested in is this, who told you to break the rules? The heart of the Pharisee is amazing things can happen, but they miss the main thing. Instead of seeing, marveling, and being in awe, they were offended and angered that it happened on the Sabbath. The second um, manifestation or thing of the Pharisee is this. The Pharisee loves the rules more than the relationship with God. I want to say that rules and legalism and transforming our relationship of intimacy with Jesus into a set of rules is something that kind of knocks on our, our door every, every single day. That the Pharisees, the religious rulers, they love the rules more than relationship. You see, I think it's even possible to hear this kind of preach and then set yourself some rules and think, I don't want to be a Pharisee. And then you create a whole load of responses that is rule based. There is something really appealing and tantalizing and captivating about legalism. There's, there's something that just grips us. Have you ever been in a moment when you're excited about God and then you turn that excitement about God into a new list of habits or resolutions or rules? I think the Pharisee loves the rules because the rules make you feel completely in control. The rules make you feel independent and powerful. And the Pharisees would defend their ideas and their rules even over people. And when we, when we, get, when we boil our relationship with God down to a set of do's and don'ts and rules, what happens is we stop being open to God and we stop hearing, seeing and experiencing God. So the heart of the Pharisee is they miss the main thing because they're so busy about the rule being broken. 
and they love rules more than relationship. Actually, what happened was the rules stopped the Pharisees seeing that actually God the Father is working seven days a week, um, that God works all the way through the week. And, uh, and I'm not sure if any here would even think this, but it's being open to the reality that God doesn't just speak and act and do on a Sunday morning at 11, that God is working all the way through the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every single day, God is working through the week. The other thing of the Pharisee is this, is the heart of the Pharisee is resisting what's obvious. Um, it's interesting that in, in this chapter, Jesus really wants to convince them that one, it's okay that he healed on the Sabbath, that actually God's working all the time. And the second thing he wanted to convince them was this, that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, he's the one who's come to give life. And Jesus is very kind and compassionate and tries to reach out to them. And so in John chapter 5 and verse 30 onwards, Jesus essentially goes on to convince the Pharisees, look, I am the Christ. The first thing he says is this, the miracles, they speak about me. Um, if I wasn't the Christ, the Messiah, the Saviour, how could I do this if I wasn't the promised one? So he holds up the reality that this man was crippled and this man now walks. And he says, you know what, I've done this work and I'm going to do greater works. He says this in this section. He says, John the Baptist spoke about me. John the Baptist was the one who was making a way for me. And then he says to the religious leaders, for a little while, you really enjoyed John the Baptist and you kind of danced in his light and then you kind of moved away and didn't enjoy what John the Baptist was saying anymore because he was pointing to me. And then he says, Jesus says, the Bible speaks about me. You know, he says to the Pharisees, you miss the wood for the trees. Um, you're, you're, you miss me in the scriptures. And then he says this, and this, this thing he says essentially gets Jesus crucified. My father speaks about me, and I don't testify about myself. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, if I just told you on my own account, I'm the, the savior, the Messiah, the Christ, you might say you're a madman. But actually, God is my father, and he testifies, which the the religious leader said, that's blasphemy. And essentially, they persecuted him <clears throat> and crucified Jesus because he claimed to be God. The other thing that Jesus says is this, is my posture, the way I approach you testifies about me. Um, he has a surrendered posture. Um, Jesus um, doesn't try to impress people. He comes um, with a sense of security. And he says, look, even the way I approach you, I'm not bigging myself up, speaks about me. And finally, in that section, he says, Moses speaks about me. And the Pharisees absolutely loved Moses. They loved the law. They loved the first four books of the Bible, but they missed the scriptures 
that spoke about Jesus in the book like Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. They missed the, the, the prophetic announcements about Jesus. And what does that tell us? The Pharisees refused to listen to all the evidence that Jesus gave them because they already believed they were right and fully convinced. So the heart of the Pharisee is this, being so fixed that you are right about something that you are unconvincible even when you're faced with such overwhelming evidence that proves that you are probably wrong. So the Pharisees, they persecuted Jesus and they executed Jesus because they believed they were absolutely right. And I think we have to allow the scriptures to search us and say, you know, as a person, are we open to God and to others to um, change our view on something or change our attitude on something? Are we teachable? Are we correctable? Are we adjustable? Are we humble? Are we childlike? Or do we believe we've arrived and what we think is absolutely, totally the full revelation of, of God and of ourselves? Or do we allow God to come to us and speak? Do, do, do we allow God to come to us and, uh, and, and speak to us um, about how he sees us and who he's called us to be? Or do we think, you know what, my perspective on myself is now fully settled by my history? For example, if God came up to you and said prophetically, you know what, you're a deeply, dearly loved child and I, I want to love the world through you. Do we just say, no, I'm fully convinced that I'm right. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm a nobody. I'm a failure. I, no good thing could ever be achieved through my life. Or are we teachable, correctable, adjustable, humble and childlike to God? that he can come to us and, and confirm our identity and tell us about who we are and that actually we're changeable? Or is our mind completely fixed about ourselves and about our circumstances and about the people in our life that God can't come and give us information and correct us? For example, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Or do we allow the testimony of Jesus and what Jesus has said to be uh, to be true? Um, or do we think, oh, I'm going to still condemn myself and um, think that um, I'm a rotter and judge myself without mercy? Or do we allow what God has said to change us? The other thing, interestingly, that Jesus says there is that John the Baptist speaks and the heart of the Pharisee is that they're very, very fickle. In other words, for one minute, they're loving John the Baptist. They love what John the Baptist is talking about. They're enjoying the revival that's coming with John the Baptist. And then they go back to what they knew before and they go back to religion and control. And it's a very interesting thing that what we idolize later on, we often demonize. 
Have you, have you found that? There can be moments when we are loving a revelation of God and we're enjoying what it's bringing us into and then we back off from it and become super critical about it. And that's the heart of the Pharisee. They were loving John the Baptist to a certain point, but not enough to come to Jesus. The other thing that Jesus says is the heart of the Pharisee is that they love reading the Bible, but they miss the author. So Pharisee reading is you tick it off as a job you've done, but you don't read it to encounter God. You're not reading it to go deeper into a relationship. You're reading it just to um, get a job done. And the other thing is this, that Jesus speaks about the fact that the Pharisees wanted someone to be just like them. And Jesus, in effect, is saying this. He's saying, look, if I had to come to you and valued what you value and speak the way you speak and do life the way you want to do life, you would have come to me and you would have received me. Like Jesus is saying, if I had to come, um, you know, flattering you, if I had to come as someone who loves the praise that comes from people, if I had to come with an attitude that keeps human beings and men at the center, if I had to come like that, you would have come to me. If I had to come as someone who um, appealed to your egos, someone that you felt you could control and tell what to do, you would have come to me. And it's like Jesus is saying, we love to receive from people who sound like us. We love to receive from people who act like us or work like us or think like us, but we struggle to come to people who have a completely different way of being. Everything that Jesus did turned the world of the religious upside down and they didn't like it. The legalists, the, rule, the, the Pharisees loved the praise of people, the glory that came from people, the plaudits that came from people. They performed for people. And Jesus came saying, you know what? I refuse to perform for people. I don't need the praise that comes from people. I don't need people to like me. I don't need people to esteem me. I know who I am. I've come from the father. He's called me to do this work. I'm absolutely secure. And the Pharisees did not like the idea of a God they couldn't control. They didn't like the idea of a God who turns the world upside down. They wanted God in a box, God they can control, God who doesn't perplex them, God who doesn't have a kind of a uncontrollable, untamable. Even some theologians have said the wildness of God, the God who will do as he chooses and as he pleases according to his perfect love, wisdom. Pharisees don't like that. They want everything orderly so that they can control God. So let's land this then. The final thing, the heart of the Pharisee is independence and pride. The, Jesus is reaching out to these people because actually he reaches out to human beings because we are blind and we are broken. And that Jesus is reaching to these men and these, the, these men, these Pharisees, and he reaches to men and women and he says, I can see your blindness. I can see your brokenness. I can see your destructive mindsets and habits. 
I can see your unmanageable life. And Jesus is reaching out and saying, if you want to come to me, come to me and I will lead you, guide you, heal you, bless you, give you abundant life. But they were actually <clears throat> blind to their brokenness and they were actually blind to their need and they were blind to their destructive habits. Um, this year, one of the things I've, I've loved this year, last year actually, I've loved looking at is, is the 12-step program. Um, I, I found it to be uh, an incredibly powerful gift of common grace by God. And I, I'm, I'm really touched by that, that first step in the 12-step program. And this can be applied to anything, um, any area of our life where we feel is unmanageable, chaotic and broken. But that first step where we say, God, I can't overcome this by power that's inside of me. I need power that comes from the outside to me because this is a destructive habit and this is unmanageable. The heart of the Pharisee is never ever to come to a place of that kind of humility that is willing to come to the higher power, which the Christian believes is Jesus, which I've come to experience myself as Jesus, so that Jesus might lead, guide and direct and heal their life. The Pharisee remained unconvinced. And so they wouldn't come to Jesus. They wouldn't come and say, actually, the miracles point to you, Jesus. The Father points to you, Jesus. John the Baptist points to you, Jesus. The Bible points to you, Jesus. Moses points to you, Jesus. The way that you are points to the reality that you are Christ. They couldn't see it. They wouldn't see it. They wouldn't come in humility. They wouldn't come with their attitude of step two, which is the step of hope. Wow, there's a power that's higher than I who's going to heal me. No, they were so confident in their own rules and systems and structures and ability to cope they refuse to come to jesus and the wonder of step three is i surrender to you jesus i come to you jesus that's why the bible's amazing the people who got life the people who got freedom the people who came into a place of deep relationship with jesus were the ones who took step one two and three like the woman at the well who has been divorced five times and is now living with uh, 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 living with a man and not married it's it's the woman who poured perfume onto jesus and who and and jesus says those who are forgiven much love much it's the woman caught in the very act of adultery in the in the most vulnerable failed place it, it's the disciples who were found being unschooled ordinary men it says they had been with jesus they take step one two and three i can't do life without you jesus it's unmanageable i'm blind and and, and my habits are destructive i'm waking up with hope because there's a power that's higher than i that loves me that's going to lead me into liberty and step three i'm coming into a posture of hope and surrender to the one who's going to lead me into life to the full the, ref the pharisees refused to want to come to jesus they didn't want to because jesus couldn't be controlled jesus wouldn't be put in a box jesus is god who would not be controlled by any agenda of legalism or rules. And so what's the point then? 
let's not go to John 5 and think, oh, I'm a wretched legalist, blind, deceived Pharisee, and we just beat ourselves up or get guilty and condemned or act anxious. Let's not come away from John 5 saying, I'm just going to create a whole better set of rules. You know, I'm just going to keep a whole better set of rules that I can keep. Don't come away thinking I'm going to double my effort. Rather, simply say this. I come to you, Jesus. I see my need of you, Jesus. We humbly just say, you know what? I can be just as blind as the, as the Pharisee. I can be legalistic. I can be fickle. I could be judging. I could be performing for praise. And I could do all those things and not even see it. And the point isn't worldly sorrow and beating yourself up. But it's to come to Jesus and say, I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm not coming to you to fix myself. I'm not coming to you to try harder. I'm coming to you because you are the power and the, the strength and that I need. I'm turning away from independence and thinking I've got it all myself. I'm turning away from pride. I'm turning away from self-reliance. I'm coming to that place of surrender i want to come to you and i trust you and this is the prayer that we can pray jesus i don't have the power in myself and i don't want to control you and jesus i don't want to judge myself and i don't want to judge other people either jesus i come to you just as I am. Jesus, I believe I've come to the end of myself. And I'm asking you, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you direct me? Would you change me? Would you heal me? What I need is a power that's not inside of me. It's a power that's coming from you to me. Would you Give me grace to change the way I think. I want to come to you. Would you give me the life you promised? And I know that you will. Jesus, I don't need to understand how. I don't need to be in control of the process. I don't need to see everything and where it's going. But I do want to come to you. I don't want anything to stop me wanting to come to you. I invite you to teach me. I invite you to open my eyes. I choose to be like a child who depends and rests and yields and surrenders to you. Amen.